Welcome to This Week in California Education. I'm Lewis Friedberg, Executive Director of EdSource. And I'm John Fensterwald, Editor-at-Large at EdSource. Welcome, John. Great to be here, Lewis. You and I attended a recent conference organized by Policy Analysis for California Education, or PACE. And uh, it was a very interesting conference. I think it was actually more interesting than a lot of conferences I go to. Except for ours, of course. (laughs) Of course, which we have every October. So this was a good kind of off-season conference. John, you wrote about a poll that USC and PACE did together. Okay. Yes. And they did a poll of a number of issues, but one of the particular interesting and new issues that they polled about was the dashboard, the California. California School Dashboard, that system of measuring school and district performance using various colors. You know, it's been criticized extensively by advocacy and civil rights groups as being really hard to to use that website. It's confusing. The website on the the CDE, California Department of Education website. Actually, it has its own, californiaschooldashboard.org. But it is, they say, it's really hard to navigate it, and it's hard to understand what the colors mean and how it works. And so even the governor kind of recognized that criticism and said, uh, okay, we'll spend $300,000 next year to do a little bit of a redesign. They found it pretty clear and quite useful. And what else did the poll have to say? Well, one of the controversial issues dealing with California's accountability system and the dashboard is that it gives multiple ratings on various indicators of on the dashboard. It doesn't give a, a grade for a school or a summary color for a school or a district, and a lot of states do that. So the pollsters wanted to know, well, voters and parents, what do you think of the idea? And it shows you how poll questions work. If you just ask them, the voters and the parents, well, what do you think? You know, should there be one grade or multiple grades? And the majority said, yeah, we like more than one grade. I guess they think of it as a report card. Then they went around and they asked half of the voters, well, okay, well, 40 states actually give up a, a single grade for a school. What do you think about that now that you know that information? And then overwhelmingly, they said, oh, well, we think you should give a single grade or or a letter grade or a number. So it sort of, it's kind of a lesson in, in how you frame the question. But it was interesting nonetheless. So did anything else catch your attention, John? Well, the pollsters framed in three different ways whether or not school funding should be increased. And no matter which way they said it, uh, the parents by, by far and also the voters agreed that California needs to spend more money on its schools. Not surprising. No, it's similar polls have, have come up, particularly since the recession, even though we have spent more money on the local control funding formula, which in fact brings us to another issue that we found out about at the conference. There was a, a study that came out that looked at spending under the funding formula, Lewis, and, and you've written about that. What did you find? Well, this is, was a very interesting study and pretty compelling, I thought. It was done by Sean Tanner, who's at the Learning Policy Institute, and Rucker Johnson, who's a professor at the School of Public Policy at UC Berkeley. Now, Rucker Johnson has done some pretty impressive research looking at the impact of government spending on outcomes. For example, he went back and looked at spending on Head Start programs and tracked not only the impact on kids at the time, but on their kids and he found there was a multi-generational impact. He applied the same statistical method 
to the local control funding formula. Let's hear from Sean Tanner as to how they went about this study. The issue with this research is that you have to isolate the effect of the revenue. You, you know, over the LCFF period, a lot is changing in California, a lot could be changing in the schools that is unrelated to the new funding. And so what our research design is meant to do is to isolate the impact of the revenue only outside of all of the other secular changes that we would have expected to happen over this time period. Now that we're talking since 2013. So what did you actually find then? So we find that for every $1,000 increase in per pupil revenue, you get about a 5% gain in the four-year cohort high school graduation rate. Okay, 5% increase in the grad rate for $1,000 per pupil. On the test score side, now this is 11th grade test scores we're talking about now in math and, and reading. In math, you see an overall effect that you can't distinguish statistically from zero for overall all the the children in the state. But for children from lower income families, it's about a fifth of a standard deviation. Now that unit doesn't mean much to some people. So you can benchmark it as about seven months of learning. You could also say it's enough to cut the black-white test gap by about a third. So that's actually, in, in social science, that's a fairly large magnitude. I also asked Sean Tanner as to the significance of the result, and this is what he had to say. I am telling you the causal effect of increasing per pupil revenue by a thousand bucks. You get 5% on the grad rate. You get a fifth of a standard deviation for low-income kids and their math scores. In the years to come, we're very interested in tracking what will happen in the long run, but we are confident that these are the results from the first three years of the policy. Well, what's interesting is that we've been following the smarter balance scores, and we've seen, in fact, the second year, there was third year, I guess there was very little gain at all, and no narrowing of the achievement gap. But you're saying that these researchers really controlled for a number of factors, and when you do that, in fact, you saw quite a, a big gain in math, which I think is the most surprising finding of the research. Yeah, and I did also ask Sean Tanner about this achievement gap issue because that is an area that where there's been a lot of concern expressed that we haven't seen achievement gaps narrowing. We haven't actually tested what happens to gaps within schools or within districts. We're just telling you the average impact across the state. Now, there is some evidence that gaps would be closing because the effect, while it's not statistically significant, the magnitude of the effect on all children is less than half of the effect now in terms of math scores on low-income kids. So if that were to continue, then it would help close the, the free lunch, not free lunch test gap. That was Sean Tanner from the Learning Policy Institute. This paper really is, I'd say, the most rigorous research that's been done to date looking at the impact of the local control funding formula. I'd be interested to to know what other researchers think of the methodology because it is quite complicated. But the initial findings here are encouraging. Rucker Johnson's research is greatly admired, but I would love to see this latest research peer-reviewed by other researchers. So you know with the local control funding formula, one of the criticisms has been it's been hard to follow the money, to know where the how dollars are spent, particularly on students targeted for the additional funding, low income and English learners, that it's not a very transparent process. And 
But there was news this week, and it came from the governor's office. What is, what's that all about, Lewis? The Department of Finance issued the, the trailer bill. I know that sounds pretty bureaucratic, but it's basically the document that explains how the governor plans to enact the budget that he proposed last month. And he did put in a clause in the trailer bill that will require school districts to do a summary document that will be part of their budget. Basically, what the governor is proposing, and of course this has to be approved by the legislature during the budget negotiations, is that every district will have to draw up a summary document to describe how funds in their budgets are linked to what they are proposing, the goals, services, and actions in the LCAP. So it will be easier for the layperson to say, well, where, where is this, what money are you spending out of your budget? Well, I think this is, appears to be a direct response to the criticism that the governor and the state board have received on the lack of transparency. So definitely, definitely. And this the governor in the in the governor's budget, he does say concerns have been expressed about transparency and that they want to have this document that makes things a little clearer. And one of the issues, and Mike Kirst raised this at the PACE conference, was that the categories that the districts have to use when they report their budgets are very broad. They're not like specific ones like you have in the LCAP. So how much, you know, how much you're spending on English learners, how much are you going to be spending on counselors? That those aren't specific categories in this so-called SACS document that the districts have to submit to the state. And so uh, Mike Kirst acknowledges that that there is a transparency issue, but he says a lot of it has to do with these categories that need that probably need to be reformed and have to be a little more precise. But well, in the very, absence thereof, they are proposing this summary document. Yeah, those categories are very broad, like how much do you spend on instruction or how much do you spend on facilities? And that's made it virtually meaningless to compare spending in districts, particularly for local control funding formula. I think now... The question is, it's left it to the Board of Education, I believe, to come up with the regulations for this summary document. And I think that's where a lot of the discussion will take place, particularly among advocacy groups who will be saying, let's be very specific about, are you using the money for low-income and foster youth? Uh, how are we tracking the dollars? I, the details will be worked out in the regulations, but I think this is a very promising first step. Not everybody thinks it's that promising. We did talk with a number of people. There, there are concerns at the, at the district level that this is going to create an additional burden on the districts. We talked with uh, School Services of California, and they say that um, they feel that the LCAPs are pretty transparent already, that they do, that the LCAPs require us districts to say how much money they're going to be spending. And there's concern that this is just redundant information, that it's not really needed. I think the governor was responding to the sense he gets that he wants the local control funding formula to survive him after he leaves office. And I think there's a sense that if he doesn't respond, the Democrats in the legislature may take this into their own hands and go further than, in fact, the governor wants. And then perhaps local control would begin to unravel. And I have to say, having looked at a number of LCAPs, it really does need a summary document 
some one page, I don't know, two pages, it'll be up to the state board to deal with this. Hopefully they won't get carried away. Something that gives a quick overview of where the funds are coming from and how they're going to be spent. Of course, an ongoing issue and concern is who is going to be our next governor and how these policies will be affected by the next governor. PPIC, Public Policy Institute of California, came out with a new poll this week on the governor's race. John, you have the results. What did it tell us? Well, it's going to be quite a race. Gavin Newsom was ahead in previous polls, but now apparently it's tied between him and uh, Antonio Villaraigosa, former mayor of L.A., and Gavin Newsom, our lieutenant governor, within two percentage points of each other, 23 for Newsom and 21 for Villaraigosa. And uh, that says it's going to go down to the wire, I believe, and about a quarter of the voters hadn't decided, and so we're going to be seeing a lot of spending, a lot of advertising, and the race heating up in the next couple months. And that just about wraps it up for this week in California education. Thanks to our producer, Sarah Tan, and thanks to all of you for listening. See you next week.